Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 25, University of Washington Society. As soon as Congress declared war, life at the University of Washington dramatically changed. To prepare students for enlistment, faculty held military-style training exercises on campus and planned for a very different focus for the next academic year. Everything was geared for war service. In the summer of 1917, the United States began sending troops to war. That summer, the Christian scientists, who were students at the University of Washington, began to organize. They wanted to start a Christian science organization on campus. Christian science organizations had already been formed at colleges in the Boston area, at Harvard, Simmons, Radcliffe, Wellesley, and Smith College, in New York, at Columbia and Cornell, in California, at Berkeley and Stanford, at the University of Chicago and Illinois, at the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, and a few others. The students in Seattle saw a need for one at the University of Washington. Perhaps it was the war that motivated them to come together. On Sunday, October 21, 1917, the same day the first American soldiers started fighting in France, they held their first meeting near campus at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Priest. Arthur Regan Priest was Dean of Men and one of the most prominent people at the university. Mr. Priest had led a major reorganization of the university to prepare it for a new era of growth. He was professor of rhetoric and oratory. He ran the debate team, which had recently won the Pacific Coast Championship. He was Phi Beta Kappa and Phi Delta Theta. He was also first reader at First Church of Christ Scientist. Arthur's wife, Willa Trent Priest, was also a prominent member of the university community in her role as wife of the dean. She often attended social events as a patroness, along with the wives of other prominent university faculty and administrators. Her associates' husbands included President Henry Suzalo, President Thomas F. Kane, Professor Edmund S. Meany, and law school dean John T. Condon, whose names are still commemorated in the names of campus buildings, and Comptroller Herbert T. Condon, who was later dean of men for many years. Willa Trent Priest was an active Christian scientist a member of First Church, a musician at Third Church, and a Christian science practitioner. 
She had recently moved her office from their University District home on 16th Avenue Northeast to the 10th floor of the Empire Building downtown. Arthur was advisor for the new Christian Science College organization, and Willa was almost certainly also involved. Seven students gathered that day at the priest residence. Initially, they called their group the Christian Science Society of the University of Washington. Eleanor Hoppick was elected reader and president. Eleanor was mature, both in life and in Christian science, a graduate student in the College of Education and a teaching fellow in the French department. She already had a teaching certificate from the University of Paris and had traveled extensively in Europe. Eleanor had been introduced to Christian science 10 years earlier, around 1906, when her family was living in Minneapolis. It appealed to me instantly, Eleanor later wrote, and since then has always been the church of my choice. Her seven years younger sister, Adele, who was a senior at the university, later shared, When Christian science was introduced into our home, I did not foresee the tremendous influence for good which it was to bring me and to several members of my family. Since our wholehearted acceptance of Christian science, it has indeed been a pearl of great price. Eleanor and her sisters had attended Sunday school, and they had also received instruction in the practice of Christian science at home from their mother, who was first reader in Wenatchee just before the family moved to Seattle. The fact that Eleanor accepted the role of reader in the college organization was significant because she had overcome the fear of speaking in public. She had found it difficult to give testimonies at church, as she would later explain. Error tried to tell her that she had never spoken in public and that to speak convincingly, one must have the natural ability to express oneself, an ability which she believed she lacked. For many weeks, she allowed this argument to govern her. Finally, after a week of struggle, she went to the Wednesday evening meeting, resolved to rise to her feet, though fear told her it would be impossible for her to say a word. Love did not desert her, however, and once on her feet, the words came to her. Thereafter, she never again let fear prevent her from acknowledging help received in Christian science. While this event probably happened before the Hoppick family moved to Seattle, the act of standing up to share a personal story of healing at a large church, like First Church in Seattle, with its 12 100-seat auditorium, packed to capacity, without the benefit of electrical amplification, must have been intimidating to many people. Hoppick successfully applied what she learned from Christian science to this and other much more serious situations she would soon face. The members of the new college organization also elected an executive board which appointed several committees. 
one of their first actions as an organization was a financial contribution to the Camp Welfare Fund set up by the Mother Church to support the troops. They also circulated copies of the Christian Science Monitor around campus and gave subscriptions to the campus libraries. They wanted to put on a Christian Science lecture, but that would have to wait until after the war. A big question for this new organization was where to hold their meetings. For the rest of fall quarter, their meetings were held in the homes of their members about twice a month on Sundays at 3 o'clock p.m. Meanwhile, they worked on finding a public location that they could advertise. They asked controller Herbert Condon about having their meetings somewhere on campus. Condon was friendly towards these Christian scientists. His wife, Maud, would soon become a member of Third Church. Mr. Condon advised the students to ask permission from the university president, Henry Suzalo. Apparently, Mr. Suzalo was not as friendly to Christian science, because when Suzalo granted them permission, it was seen as a significant victory, the result of fervent prayer. Starting January 1918, they held their meetings on alternate Thursday evenings in Meany Hall in Room 110. The Christian Science Society at the University of Washington was finally established, with regular advertised meetings in a public place. But not long after this achievement, they lost both their advisor and their reader-president to war service. America was ramping up its military, and more than 60,000 men in Washington state would join the military. At the University of Washington, more than 1,500 students and 53 staff and faculty took leave of absence for war service. Even those who continued their educational activities took on extra projects to support the war effort. Many campus buildings were used for training, supporting, and housing troops. Curriculum was changed to war-related themes. Everyone was encouraged to conserve food and be thrifty with money. Organizations of all kinds held fundraisers to support the troops. Freshmen and sophomore women were required to spend at least two hours a week manufacturing bandages. They converted sphagnum moss, abundant in western Washington, into surgical dressings for the Red Cross. Everyone was involved in some way with the war effort, including the Christian scientists. After a huge goodbye banquet, with representatives from every student organization and activity, Arthur and Willa Priest left for Paris in February 1918. Arthur had been appointed by the Washington state governor, Ernest Lister, to officially represent Washington in France, and Willa was his secretary. The priests were put in charge of a headquarters for financial communication, and logistical help for the troops. Their son Harold, who was already in France as a lieutenant in the U.S. Infantry, 
was one of the first servicemen they greeted upon their arrival in Paris. Both Eleanor and Adele Hoppick also headed for Paris. While the overwhelming majority of Americans in the military were men, there were also what the Seattle Times called the petticoated soldiers. Eleanor and Adele Hoppick were among them. They were both traveling in Italy when the war first began, and considering their practical experience with European culture and fluency in French, German, and Italian, they had valuable skills and experience they could contribute to the war effort. The Hoppick sisters were two of the five University of Washington women in the United States Signal Corps. The Seattle Times reported that Adele Hoppick had such high standing in her studies that she was given a special diploma, so her enlistment ended her college experience. After a month of training in San Francisco, the two Hoppicks were sent to serve in France as telephone operators, handling calls for troop movements and medical supplies. They worked long hours, and there were no substitutes available. During 19 months of service, they never missed a single day of work. Adele testified of an overnight healing of a severe throat cold during an especially demanding time in her work, and also overcoming the need for glasses. Stationed within 13 miles of the front, she would be publicly commended for bravery. She stayed at her post while under attack from air raids, working inside a burning building until ordered to leave. I was protected in every way, Adele later explained. I am sincerely grateful for all the teaching I received in the Sunday school and for attendance at a Christian Science Society in a university during my last year of school. Eleanor also testified of healing and protection during the war, saying, Divine love went with me every step of the way. Towards the end of the war, Adele served as a telephone operator in Versailles at the Peace Conference. The college yearbook for 1918 was called the War Edition. It was dedicated to Washington Militant, to that spirit of loyalty and patriotism which has inspired so many of our men to give themselves to their country. The entire yearbook focused on wartime themes. A large center section covered military activities in detail. Army, Navy, Aviation, and Ambulance. With page after page of male students and faculty in uniform with articles about their preparation efforts and wartime assignments. A few of the war theme pages showed the female side of the student body. One article, entitled on to France, told about campus bells who traded knitting needles at home for oaths of allegiance and service abroad. The article included a photograph of Adele in her long skirt uniform. 
Near the front of the yearbook was a full-page pencil drawing, a head and shoulder close-up of a beautiful young woman wearing a military uniform. Her long hair loosely pulled back and partially tucked into a ranger-style hat. She had a subtle smile of gentle confidence on her face. Beneath the portrait was the title, Washington Militant, drawn from life. The Hoppock sisters certainly expressed that spirit, and this artistic representation bore a striking resemblance to Adele. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.